0: everybody and welcome to the Scared Shitless Podcast. Welcome back after a little bit of a break. Before we begin today's podcast, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording today. This is, was, and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome back from our little hiatus that we had. It was short, just like the winds of change. (laughs) What? I'm here with JJ. Hello. Once again. You guys, so, JJ, y- y'all are,
1: y'all are going to hate me. You're talking this. a bit
0: loud, JJ. I'm sorry. You just blasted the, you went over the red, as we say in the biz. Went over You've the peaked. red. You've gone into the red.
1: Right, let me calm
0: down my voice. Calm it down, because we're very close to the microphone today. Hello, So everybody. we're going to hear all those little, little you know, okay, I'll little it. details. Tell me back a bit, is that better? That's good, I think that's good. Beautiful. So, JJ, tell me everything. What's going on? What's new? How's tattooing going? Yep.
1: Uh, it's going really well. It's going really well. Um, yeah, loving it. I'm learning a lot. Uh, every tattoo I do, I'm getting better. Stunning. You really are. I am. I'm like. I'm really out here doing doing it. Um, and it was nice today when we we had a chat about it. And it was like a year ago, maybe less than. I was stuck in a really shit tattoo shop mm-hmm. that was like very negative. And oh, we would talk because I got a sausage roll from Seven Eleven. And I was like, wow, this takes me back to having to drive an hour to work every morning on $10 of petrol every day because I was so broke. And now here I am, like, living my best life and enjoying it. And, like, I'm able to afford a few more things, which is nice. Like, I got a watch. Like, mm. who knew? Who knew me with a watch? Not me. So, yeah, it's going really well. How are you? How's, how's your life Catharsis. going?
0: Catharsis. That's what that is. Catharsis. Okay. Pretty good. <laughs> um, well, I was just like because JJ tattooed me last night, everybody, Mm. um, stunning like butterfly. And then like my birth date, 1993 a year, I should say. And it's, it's really nice, but usually for this first part of the podcast, we would talk about something pretty scary and, um, you know, about horror and whatnot. But last night I had a full blown, which I haven't had in like a good, five, six, seven years, like a full blown panic attack, didn't Mm. I? Mm. And when we like really thought about the reason why, I think what was what we came down to was the fact that um, there was a lot of adrenaline in my body and I couldn't get rid of it. And so my body just went into,
1: it was the opposite of that. So I I think the way it works, because this happens with like anything Mm. traumatic happens to your body um, your body releases a lot of adrenaline into you so mm-hmm. you can like survive what's happening to you because your body is g- technically going under attack when you're getting tattooed. Mm. It's going against what we should be doing technically. So the body's like, what the fuck? What are you doing? So I'm going to mm. pump you full of adrenaline so you can survive. Mm. And the thing is, I thought, like I told James last night, we kept going even after James was in a lot of pain. So I think we pushed the boundaries of the adrenaline. So he was over pumped with it and then when it started uh leaving his system his body freaked out mm. and yeah that causes you know panic attacks body body temperature changes and then i was like
0: remember i was yeah i was freezing you cold, shaking shivering and it was so scary i haven't felt that in so so long literally the just you tell yourself you're gonna die you're like this mm. is it this exactly, is where yeah. this is where i go
1: and that's why Like that type of panic attack is, Mm. is a terrifying experience and it's traumatic. And you passed out afterwards. After it was like a lot of your system, you just literally fell down and slept.
0: And even today I feel like
1: hungover almost. Mm, You would. Like because, um, tattoo, tattoo hungover, hangover is a thing. mm. Absolutely. Like I'm, I'm feeling hungover and Mm. like I was just tattooing, you know, it's just, it's a very, um, draining, draining, um, not ritual, but, like, I guess it's kind of ritualistic, but... Kind of is. It is, absolutely. But just the whole thing of it is very draining on both and both ends. More so for the person getting tattooed, of course. Mm. But mm. thank God you didn't die. And I didn't die, no we're, here to, no. we're here to record another podcast.
0: We are, we are. We absolutely are here. And, um, yeah, I've just been having this... I've been in this weird kind of... Um, scary place lately well you know how you just in the world right now there's so much going on it's not just this pandemic it's like even in popular culture and in culture in general we're going through this shift of suddenly and um kind of what it's needed so, but it's very sudden that we are currently um fighting for the rights of black people and indigenous mm. people it is so exciting and so inspiring and wonderful. And then, you know, you have that thing where you just feel like you're not doing enough or mm. it's like you there's only so much you can do when you're on Instagram or Facebook. So mm. that's where I've been at. Just like white guilt, I guess you call it, right? Yeah. And um, mm. But I am doing my best and, and that's that, all you can do. Yeah,
1: that, that alone is like is privileged as hell. Feeling yeah, guilty. For sure. Um, as you should do.
0: I think the yeah, acknowledgement
1: a, of that privilege is is very important. is important and yeah. like using it for the good of everything mm-hmm. as well. Um, like something that I've read a lot and like stand by wholeheartedly is for white people to use their privilege in a way that can help um, BIPOC people, like mm-hmm. in entirely, because we have that ability to say things and be safe saying mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. which is a privilege in its own right um and yeah it's it is a big shift in the world and a lot of people are um being outed which i think is really good and being held accountable for their actions there's also a the fine past.
0: line between cancel culture though and being outed
1: absolutely and i think that does like jenna marbles and shane dawson yeah, for example yeah. were both big topics of conversation right now um with that i I think it's good that they're being accountable, but I think they are, and I love both of them and I respect them in many ways, but I don't think it's the right time right now to take, to put your voice out there. Your voice does not need to be heard right now. Um, And you don't, you don't need to be the person or persons that need to be, um, is that a horse? Yeah, it is a horse. Oh, iconic. We had a horse, everybody. Um, but, but I think that's kind of um, us right now, isn't it? Yeah, literally. Like, in a way. What I mean is is that, yeah, I, I think if we, you are talking about it, you should be talking mm. about ways to help and not just about how you're feeling guilty and you need to say for sorry. For sure, for sure. Like, great. A, 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 apologize for terrible things you've done, but wait. Wait, till, wait till everyone has rights. I think... Um, know, especially like... Yeah. In that sounded a lot like all life matter. And I'm just need to say, that's not what I just No, said. I know
0: what you mean. Um, I'm sure everybody, but you know, honestly, the segue I was going to go into was Jordan Peele and mm. pioneers like that, who were just kind of really out here influencing the movie world to be more inclusive of people of color and um, deal with racism in that way. Cause Jordan Peel's us. And Get Out, they were the two movies that really like slapped it into me and made me wake up to the issues, um, you know, a few years ago. And then I've been looking into it ever since that because when Get Out came out, it was like a a switch went off my head. And Mm -hmm. I was like, why am I automatically being like, oh, it's great that I have a whole black cast and a black lead. Like that's fucked that I would even think that. Like, it shouldn't even be a thorn mm, because mm. it's just, it, it doesn't, it shouldn't be anything. Mm. And um Jordan Peele and, like, yeah, just him and especially him, just because I'm a massive movie and horror fan, like with the Candyman, mm. it's so exciting that he's taking this, like, very notorious black man um, murderer, the Candyman, and giving it his, like, signature Jordan Peele, Twist, which mm. I think is going to be very clever and very very well done. So it sucks that it's on hold because of the coronavirus. They couldn't finish filming, mm. I think, or post productions like hell. Um, yeah, halted. But I am fucking so excited. Yeah, it's gonna be great. No, it's really good. Also, have we watched? Have we watched any like other spooky movies? Like anything worth mentioning? Because I have the horror movie of the week, but I'm gonna wait until we we we'll get into that. Well, in I sec. mean,
1: we drove past a house at the Invisible. Don't m- what. That's what? That's the horror movie of the week. I have no idea Sorry, what everyone. I'm saying. The horror movie of the week <laughs> is The Invisible Man. With there we Elizabeth go, Moss. <laughs> guys. We drove past a house today. <laughs> we did. that. That was filmed in filmed in in Kayama, mm-hmm. and um, you wow, can stay there. Can you stay there? Twelve hundred dollars a night. Worth it. Worth it. Worth uh, it. No, we had a it. bunch of people. Maybe yeah. No, not even. Okay, like. Two people.
0: It's an absolute. It's won well, award. I think it we won best house of, in Australia a few years ago. Is that a thing? The whole country. Yeah, like an architecture award. I can imagine
1: because it's like it's stunning. It's stunning. Um, and it's yeah, literally on a cliff, and yeah, and you see the entire ocean. And the thing is, today was the first day we saw it post film mm. being released because we drove past it what a year ago, mm. and we talked about oh, there's a horror movie being filmed there, and not really like oh. That's cool. But now looking at it, I'm like, wow. Like Elizabeth Moss. Iconic there. acting happened there. Elizabeth Moss. 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 Moss drove the lamp. on the on the road that we were driving on. And that's just, that's crazy. It's crazy.
0: Well, anyway, the horror movie of the week. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I, did, I didn't know. It's absolutely fine. That was just, you know, I was going to mention all the things you just mentioned then. Um, we watched it together at the cinema, me, mm-hmm. you, Tiana and Carl, Tiana and Carl, my brother and his girlfriend. And I was really looking forward to it because I'm a huge fan of Elizabeth Moss. Mm, same. Um, in The Handmaid's Tale, I think she's also funny. She's very funny. She can in... do no wrong. What movie is she in with, um, Joni Hill and she's like a nurse and she's just like, I want to watch Gossip Girl and go Forgetting Sarah Marshall. No, it wasn't that. No. No, it's not.
1: 30, no. It's with Russell Brand too. Get, Get into, into the, the Greek. Greek.
0: That's the one. That is a really good movie. It's so and funny. she's very funny in that. Mm. And she's also in Us, which, you know, incredible. Mm. She's such a good actor. Anyway. I, I didn't realise how much
1: tiny of a role the role was.
0: In Us? Yeah. Yeah. But what what That's moment good. she did have it was huge. Like she was very well well acted. Yeah. Anyway, the Invisible Man came out in 2020. So it came out this year. It's very new. It's a science no fiction. No way it came out this year. It did, yeah. It came out early this year. This year, year feels know. like
1: it's just gone on. I know. For years. I, know. I feel like I I've know. lived 2020 14 I times know. over.
0: Telling me. Um, it's a 2020 science fiction psychological horror film written and directed by Lee Wannell. It follows a woman who believes she's being stalked by her abusive and wealthy boyfriend even after his apparent suicide. She ultimately deduces that he has acquired the ability to become invisible. The film stars Elizabeth Moss, Aldous Hodge, Storm Reid, Harriet Dyer, Michael Dorman, and Oliver Jackson-Cohen. It's an international co-production of the United States and Australia. Like we mentioned before, and let me just say it is very, very fun. Very good. It's very, um, you know what? I'm pretty sure if I'm if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it was based off a film that was released in like the 19 oh, let me double check before I say something stupid yeah it was it, not, the invisible man was released in 1933 um based on a novel uh what's it about is it about the same thing I wonder <laughs> Taking off the project as an adaptation of the book to film has been described as a nearly perfect translation of the spirit of the book What's it about? On a snowy night, a stranger, his face swathed in bandages and his eyes obscured by dark goggles, takes a room at the lion's head in at the English village. It's quite different. Anyway, when you watch the new Invisible Man, I don't know if it's similar to the original, it just feels like you're watching this like, like the premise is such a classic Mm. late 60s, early 70s, campy mm, premise. We invented
1: for 2020.
0: And you think, you think it sounds, the premise sounds stupid as cliche hell. Cliché as hell. And you're like, how is this going to be anything interesting? The fact that I can watch Elizabeth Moss act for two hours, I will pay <laughs> money. She has a way of portraying fear, grief, mm. and... Mostly fear. Fear. She's just she hits that on the head, mm. and then if you if you watch her in The Handmaid's Tale, you'll know the scope of her acting. Like she goes from like Handmaid's Tale, especially. There's a lot of physical acting
1: that needs to be lot. done because yeah, the way that she can show you any type of emotion mm. without saying a word or even moving her body, but just using her face, it's oh, yeah. astonishing. Like talent, like no other,
0: and she and she brings all of that into the Invisible Man as somebody who is going through a mixture of guilt and um, depression and fear all at once because um, her husband has apparently just committed suicide. So even though he was abusive and uh, was someone to that she was scared of. She's still terrified and she's still sad. Mm. It was still, well, boyfriend, sorry, not husband.
1: A lot of emotions. Um,
0: a lot. And she does it really, really well. And the on some, the cast around her is just, is great. There's like a little teenager girl who's stunning and mm. she's fantastic. Um, and the guy that she lives with, the friend, I think he's like a cop or something. He's really good. Yeah, he's a cop. He's a cop, yeah. He was really good too. Um, I would recommend it. I would give it three out of five. Solid oh, three yeah, a solid three out of five. It's not, I wouldn't rave about it. I wouldn't scream off the rooftops. It was a lot of fun. I feel like um, the, I don't know if, are we spoiling? No, don't spoil it because it's fairly new. Well, I'm not going to say anything specific. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Okay, it no. Will, well, it just a twist, yeah. Yeah, look, it's just, it's
1: very exciting. I think it deserves more than a three out of five. But also, I didn't, go to, uni, I didn't go to uni to study film. So what do nine. I know? Three what nine. do I know, love? Three and a half. Three and a half. half. <laughs> three and
0: a half. I'd give it a three four. Nine. Four out of three five. Three No. Three and a half. Four. It was good. It was fun. Easy. Fun is the key word. It's a very fun movie. It is scary at points, though. It is pretty scary. And it's not like, like It's pretty violent. But like jump scares no. scary. It's just unnerving. I remember gasping a few times, but mm. not because it was a jump scare, I was just like, Oh what like, you, like you just can't yeah. believe there's mm. so many scenes where you got your hand over your mouth because you're just like, What
1: the-? this is not happening.
0: But it's a fun popcorn horror movie, edge of your seat, thriller. I would say it's more of a thriller than a horror, but kind of teeters on that little ledge. Um, let me know if you if you guys watch it, if anybody watches it, send me a DM at um, Scared Pod on Instagram or on Twitter, or on Facebook, and let me know what you think, because I'm always keen to hear your opinions as well. Please do that. Now, we're going to take a brief break, and we'll be back for the main story. See you soon. Welcome back, everybody, to the Scared Shitless Podcast. So good to have you here. Hi, JJ. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We just listened back to the recording, and JJ's voice sounds really deep. I sound hot. To, I sound like a hot man. Um, Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm Joe. I'm Joe. <laughs> okay, so today we're talking about a very hard, heartbreaking story. It is a documentary that I always recommend to a lot of people, called Dear Zachary, but it is also a true crime oh, story. Oh, no. Yeah, so we're going to talk about it today. <laughs> or it's the... Um, the We're going to talk about Zachary Turner, um, Shirley J. Turner, and also another gentleman's name. Oh, gosh, I'm going to mute that. Bloody Discord, i tell you all. <laughs> now, uh, I saw Andrew Bagby, sorry. Okay, so... We're going to talk about firstly um shirley jane turner very important that you get all this information in your bloody noggin okay so shirley jane turner who was born the 28th of january 1961 was the canadian american daughter of a u.s serviceman and a local woman from saint anthony in newfoundland which is in canada Turner was raised with three siblings in Wichita, Kansas, but moved to Newfoundland with her mother after her parents had separated. Her parents later divorced, and in 1980, Turner enrolled at Memorial University of Newfoundland in St. John's, seeking to embark on a medical career.
1: Mm.
0: So when she became pregnant, um, she married along her longtime boyfriend during um, her university's winter in 1981 like a winter break, she got married to her boyfriend. Yeah. Um, The child who was a boy was born on 9th of July, 1982. Turner's husband raised the child as a stay-at-home dad while Turner continued her studies. In 1983, Turner moved to Labrador City and worked as a a science teacher. Two years after this, she gave birth to a daughter, and during this period, she resumed a previous relationship with a fisherman from Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. Her first marriage ended on the 29th of January, 1988, leading her to marry her new boyfriend from Cornerbrook the following July. So this is her second marriage and her... She has two kids at this point. Um, Turner had an abortion in July 1988. The father of the baby is not known. Turner gave birth to another daughter on the 8th of March, 1990, one year before she and her second husband also separated. Turner completed her undergraduate education while raising her children with help from her second husband um so like vibes are off the vibes are off there's something wrong here absolutely jumping that quick jumping so quickly from one year and i honestly cannot imagine getting married almost one year after you've been divorced divorced but only been together for it's strange it's quick Mm. to me that says that she has a um uh, complex of like not wanting to be like to want to be with someone, like she needs I can, that, she I needs that connection that
1: more because she is a mother. So she, probably-
0: I guess so, yeah. But w- well, let me continue. So in October 1993, I was born one month before that, so I was one month old. That's really cute. A man boarding with <laughs> Turner confided to his therapist that he had witnessed her physically and emotionally abusing her two children. Newfoundland social workers interviewed the children, who stated that their disciplinarian mother punished them with spankings and beltings. Turner's second husband, in his own interview, claimed that Turner only used the belt as a threat. The case was closed on the 11th of January 1994 without Turner herself ever being interviewed. Three years later, Turner divorced from her second husband and was granted custody of their daughter. Within days of the ruling, however, Turner sent her daughter back to live with her father in Portland Creek, while her other two children were sent to Parsons Pond to live with their paternal grandmother. Mm -hmm. So, no, she doesn't care about the kids at all. No, she's gave them away straight away. So that tells me that she's just got this complex of, like, needing a man. Mm. And I don't understand, you know, it's obviously something to do with her upbringing. There's There's not much information on how she was brought up, but... These kind of very good. no, going off like these interesting uh, behaviors, you can only you can only assume um, that something has gone strange mm. in the, in her upbringing. But anyway, since in 1982, Turner had taken out baby bonuses for her children from a scholarship fund oh. with the expectation of sending them to university. However, in the summer of two thousand, Turner confessed to a relative that she had spent the baby bonuses on her own living expenses as well as her doctoral education. Turner instead, however Turner insisted, sorry, however, that she would earn quote unquote big money after completing her post residency training and it would pay for her children's post secondary education. Do I believe mm, that? Absolutely no. not. I think she's a selfish piece of shit. But that's just me. <laughs> um and you guys are also going to think she's a piece of shit soon, don't worry. Very soon. Um, okay, so Turner received her undergraduate degree from Memorial University in May 1994, four years later. Can we just say as well, though, it, mm. it is pretty impressive that she it's finished incredible. uni As children. a mother, you know, a new going mother through divorces. As well. It is very impressive. I'll give her that, and that's all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in May 1994, four years later, she earned her MD degree, like her master's degree. Mm. Between 1998 and 2000, she served as a medical intern or resident physician um, at teaching hospitals across Newfoundland. Her performance during a 1999 residency period at a family practice in St. John's drew harsh assessments by her supervising physician, who stated she would become, quote unquote, quite hostile, yelling, crying, and accusing me of treating her unfairly, unquote. During yeah. her remedial second residency period in early 2000, Turner missed nine days of her three month rotation and falsified clinical reports. One patient refused to return to the practice after an encounter with her. Oh. Uh, I know. The staff became, quote, so concerned about Shirley Turner's approach to confrontation um, and the truth that we would never give her feedback or hold any major discussion with her alone, unquote. Oh, my God. So the physicians were like, she's scary. Of her. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, she would constantly, like, if, anyth- if they would bring up anything negative about her practices, she would just say... She couldn't um, take any feedback. You're lying. She would like, let's just say you're a liar. You're against me. She couldn't take the feedback and she just couldn't take any. I hate, I I, I get really frustrated with people like that. It took mm. me a while to like not have that because I think everybody has it in them. Like people are so proud, but you've got to learn to take things on the chin and just kind of like roll with Absolutely. it. Absolutely.
1: I've recently had a big conversation about that and I think it's a really big part of growing up. Mm. It's being able to take criticism and realize they're not attacking you as a person. No, they're just trying to ultimately help you be better.
0: And there's also like on the flip side of that, there's a way to give criticism. There is. I know it's a so cliche, way. like constructive criticism. Like you always see that word a lot, but there is a way to do it properly. If you're saying, "Oh, you're so shit," <laughs> yeah, that's just being you a say, road, "Hey, hey I dog think crap. this
1: can be done differently," exactly. and all the f- and give effects an exam- will be More positive,
0: yeah. yeah, exactly. And give some examples like. You know, if you went this way about it, I think A, B, and C, this is what would mm. happen. Um, but I think she, uh, Shirley Turner was just way too spoiled. Spoiler defensive. frat syndrome. That's what it is. Mm. Anyway, so this is when things get a bit weird. In March 1996, Turner began a relationship with a St. John's resident who was 13 years younger than her. Mm. Um, um, this is who the documentary is all about, by the way. Yep. Um... After the man broke up with her and moved elsewhere in Newfoundland, she, like, sent him and called him, like, hundreds of times. Mm. I mean, like, every night, every morning, every day, hundreds of calls, hundreds of emails, hundreds of messages. He would never reply because he was, like, getting really scared. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so in November 1997, Turner confronted him in Halifax, where I went on exchange anyway. Oh. Um, which is Nova Scotia. And then she actually struck him in the jaw with her high-heeled shoe. Jesus Christ. Like, what a bloody flex. Yeah. i tell you what. That's mm. that's a, um, that's like, that's it. That's cool. I'm not going to lie, it's kind of cool. Hitting someone with a fucking heel. With the heel is kind of iconic. It is kind of iconic. Very like nothing devil wrong, wears, but devil it's wear kind wear of Prada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After consulting with his parent, he, um, the ex-boyfriend, um, his name is Andrew Bagby moved to Western Township in Pennsylvania, United States, in 1998. Although Turner, however, followed him and left threatening voicemails over the following year, literally saying, I'm going to kill you if you keep running away from me. If you don't come back with me, I'm going to kill you. I'm gonna red get some flag. Red, well, that's not even a red flag. Uh, that's, that's just a just threat. Straight up stopped. fucked, yeah. <laughs> red flag is like, I'm coming to see you. That's a red flag. Yeah. But I'm going to murder you because uh, I think that you're horrible. You get a, a, what's it? A restraining restraining order. order. So Turner began traveling to Pennsylvania to make unannounced visits to Andrew. And on several occasions, he summoned like police to convince her to leave. And he actually expressed fear um, to the police numerous times, saying, I'm scared of what Dr. Turner is going to do to me. That's what he would send to police. Jesus. On April 7th, 1999, Andrew found out Sorry, Andrew found um, Shirley lying semi-conscious outside of his apartment, like just on the floor. She had ingested a combination of 65 milligrams of over-the-counter drugs in what may not have been a sincere suicide attempt. Um, Shirley was wearing a black dress and carried a bouquet of red roses and two suicide notes on her person. One was addressed to the man and one was addressed to her psychiatrist. The letter read, I am not evil, I am just sick. And so, uh, that's on quote, sorry. Turner was rushed to a hospital where her stomach was pumped. The following day, the man found a voicemail by a female caller, likely Shelley, disguising her voice, who said, Dr. Turner died last night. But it was a fake voicemail that oh. she, just to get a reaction out of him. So obviously. She's, she's not okay. She's not okay. Basket case. Here's the thing. People that want to most, you know, 90% of the time, unless you're some sort of poet artist, you're not going to put on a black dress, get a bouquet of roses and then write a poem. No, you're not going to do that.
1: No. you want to die, you're going to die. That's not a normal thing. You know. That's um, putting on a show. It's putting on a show. That's that's the whole.
0: That's what she's, she wants him to feel sympathy. She wants, she's trying to manipulate him. That's okay. She's trying to use suicide and the fear of her committing suicide to guilt him into being with her which is so
1: disgusting very um, toxic very toxic not a a way to get into a relationship
0: absolutely not she's manipulating bum bag I don't want to say cunny but you know what I'm trying to say manipulating bum bag see you next Tuesday see See
1: you next Tuesday see
0: you next Tuesday so beginning in early 1999 Shirley began dating who who I said so Andrew Bagby Mm. Um, so he was in America I'm going to talk about him for a little bit now um, he was an American medical student studying at Memorial University for his third year. Bagby came from Sunnyvale, California and was a son of Kathleen Daphne Bagby, who was a registered nurse and she was from from the UK. Sorry. Um, and then her, his dad was David Franklin Bagby, who was a former US Navy serviceman and a computer engineer. Mm-hmm. Incredible, incredible people and very um, courageous and extremely Um, great parents to Andrew. Like, they're just so loving and caring. They sound good. They're they're wonderful. In August 2000, Shirley moved to Sac City in Iowa to begin working. Sac City? Sac City, C-A-C.
1: Not like Sacramento City?
0: No, S-A-C, Sac. Maybe it is. Maybe it's Sacramento. Do you think it's just been abbreviated? Yeah, Sacramento. No, it just says Sac City. S-A-C, weird. Has a population of? Uh, doesn't say. Do you want to know? I don't think it matters. How many people live in the sack? 2,000.
1: Okay, it's definitely not Sacramento City. It's
0: tiny. Wow. Dark. There you go, sack city. Anyway. Sack city, bitch. Sack, sack city, City, bitch. bitch. (laughs) I'm making sacks, sacks on deck. I don't know anymore. Anyway, so she began to work for the Trimark Physicians Corporation, whatever that is. Meanwhile, after graduating from Memorial University in May 2000, um, Andrew Bagby landed a surgical residency at the State University of New York Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. So Andrew was also a very, very clever little cookie medical student, was doing really, really well. He was actually loving... This residency in New York was killing it, apparently. And apparently everyone around him was like, Andrew is the most lovely person. He's so good at his job. Whereas, like, on the flip side, everybody who worked with Shelley was like, she's crazy, she's scary. (laughs) She's helped. So anyway, despite the distance between states, Turner and Bagby initially tried to maintain a long-distance relationship. By Turner's account, so Shelley's account, she visited Bagby's residence in Syracuse seven times while he visited her once in Sac City. During one of these visits, Shirley is believed to have burglarized Bagby's apartment. In the fall of 2001, Bagby moved to Latrobe, Pennsylvania and began his residency at a family practice under the supervision of Dr. T. Clark Simpson. So literally she came, one time she came to his apartment, which is like hours and hours drive
1: and and
0: stole a bunch of shit, underwear, photos, like just creepy shit. It was Mm. really weird. Anyway, so like, now- he should
1: not be in public.
0: No. Right? So now he's moved back to Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and he's doing his residency under this new doctor. Anyway, so on the 10th of July, 2001, less than a year into her 10-year contract with Trimark, um, Shirley left their Sac City clinic and moved to Council Bluffs, Iowa, where she was hired by Allegiant Health System of Omaha, Nebraska, In October 2001, Shirley obtained a permit to buy a firearm and purchase a Phoenix Arms HP-22 handgun and .22 ammunition, which she used during firearm lessons. Meanwhile, Turner exhibited exhibited possessive behavior towards Bagby and harassed him over the phone. Sorry for the birds. They're getting a bit excited with the story. They are. Anyway. Guys, do you mind? Like, Like, do you mind? Anyway, so she would literally call him, again, like, call him, obsess over him. It was, like, Bad. pretty scary. Yeah. But then on October 13th, Turner slash Shelley told Andrew that she was three months pregnant with him. Andrew. With his baby. With his baby. Yeah. Andrew agreed to talk with her about the baby during a wedding that Bagby was scheduled to attend nearby. When Shirley visited him in La Trobe in late October 2001, immediately immediately after the last of her firearm lessons in Omaha, the two frequently argued over their relationship with a new girlfriend. So he had a new girlfriend. Mm. She was really she jealous. She would have fucking crazy that I time. have a baby now with you. Come back with me. Mm. On November 3rd, 2001, Turner confessed that she had been lying about her pregnancy in an effort to remain with Andrew permanently. Furious about this, Andrew drove Turner... To the Arnold Palmer Regional Airport and broke up with her over lunch, sending her on a plane back to Iowa. What a way to do it! Honestly, what an exit, Truly. So, on the fourth of November two thousand and one, Shirley made a total of three phone calls to Andrew's residency in Latrobe at approximately one in the afternoon. Shirley embarked on a sixteen-hour drive to Latrobe La with, um, on sorry, in her Toyota Rav Four. Love it. In the early morning of the fifth of November two thousand and one, she confronted Andrew at his residence located across the street from his practice. Andrew arrived at work in an agitated state and told his boss about her appearance, but dismissed his he dismissed his advice not to meet with her in private. Andrew subsequently, like he pretty much said, that he would um go see his boss after he saw Shirley. Just mm. to be like, I'll be fine. I'll come see you after I see Shirley. It's yeah. all good,
1: which is good. You've um, always said that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, Shirley later drove home and left a message on um, Andrew's. So after the meeting, Shirley left um, left the town mm. and left a voicemail with Andrew. The following morning, um, Andrew's body was found in a day use parking lot at Keystone State Park in the Derry Township. He'd been shot five times in the face, mm. the chest, the buttocks, and the back of the head Jesus. with a CC with two with .22 bullets. Oh. Connections. Connections? Who knows. Acting on statements by the boss and others, the Pennsylvania State Police contacted Shirley. Despite her claim to have been in bed sick on that day, Cell phone internet records showed that she had made cross country calls both to and from Latrobe, accessed eBay and Hotmail from Andrew's home computer, Mm. and used his home phone to call in sick. When confronted, (laughs) when confronted with the evidence, she claimed that she had met Andrew at Keystone State Park, but then he put the gun to his, put the gun in his trunk. Um, Shirley alternately, alternatively told her shooting instructor that her gun had been stolen she's pretty much just lying here lying
1: there Literally
0: nothing and then the proof out the comes moment. out and she's like no 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 no, that's not true actually yeah I did meet him I changed my mind I, did, I wasn't sick I did meet him and the police are like well what's the truth please Yeah. anyway
1: well they would have been able to read through that
0: well the investigative getters interviewed her shooting instructor who explained that her handgun ejected live rounds during lessons which is consistent with an up uh, up unspent sorry round recovered near um andrew's body so like it made sense that the um this gun round was also found during her practice yeah the way that she shoots the gun anyway later a dairy resident traveling through the park reported seeing andrew's toyota corolla parked next to turner's rav4 10 minutes after bagby made his last phone call to simpson which is his boss Mm. The resident later saw the Corolla parked alone the following morning. The lot number on a box of condoms and a box of condoms. In Turner's council, Bluff's apartment matched a box perfectly by Andrew and Latrobe on the night of the breakup. Mm. Also in Shelley's apartment were mapquest printouts for road directions to Latrobe. Despite the evidence gathered, Shelley had fled the country by the time authorities obtained a warrant for her arrest. That's fucked.
1: Yeah. So she basically. By leaving the country, she's like, "I did it. And I'm not gonna be, be, get I'm going back to for Canada.
0: it." So, on November twelfth, two thousand one, Shirley abandoned her residence in Council Bluffs and flew to Toronto. Sorry, can I say where kid. <laughs> are kids? Is... The kids are with the kids are with the ex husband and then okay. Um, grandparents. Okay, thank God. She okay. Doesn't live so with there were
1: kids. some good people. Correct.
0: They? Um, Council Blossom flew to Toronto, eventually resettling in St. John's with her oldest son. Mm-hmm. Acting in collaboration with the Pennsylvania State Police, the Royal Newfoundland um, Intelligence Unit conducted surveillance on her movements. On the 2nd of December, the unit seized her trash and discovered printouts for an ultrasound taken on the 29th of November, showing a fetus that was conceived with Bagby the previous oh. month, because she was pregnant. The...
1: Why well, she was still pregnant at that point? She's still pregnant now. Okay, yep. she was just lying. So she, so she lied about
0: lying. Correct. She's fucked. She's fucked. Fully fucked. Yeah. Um. So the RN, the RNC arrested Turner, who is the Royal Newfoundland like police. Yeah. Um. Arrested her on the twelfth of December. The same day extradition proceedings commenced against her. So pretty much the same day that they were doing, they were going to start. Um their proceedings to say, no, you're going back to the States to be prosecuted there because that's where you commit the crime. Yeah. However, Newfoundland justice, Gail Welsh, believed Turner 41 wasn't a threat to society. Despite the murder charges awaiting her in Pennsylvania in exchange for her freedom, Turner was required to post $75,000 Canadian, um, turn in her passports, pay weekly visits to the police, promise not to leave the area and make no attempt to contact the Bagby family. Turner posted bail with help from her psychiatrist, Dr. John Doucette, a family co-worker, sorry, a former co-worker from her university. The news that Shirley was pregnant with with Andrew's child turned the extradition case into one involving child custody and subsequently led to a complicated legal saga. Mm. David and Kathleen, who are the lovely two parents um, of Andrew, who I spoke about before... Um, moved to St. John's, Newfoundland, all the way from the States in order to fight for custody for their son's child, while Shirley eventually moved into her own apartment on Pleasant Street, St. John's. So they mm-hmm. literally dropped everything in the States. I'm like, we're moving to Canada so we can make sure that that poor baby, like, holds the legacy of our son who was murdered by this person. Yeah. Pretty much. Fuck. So... It's like... Mm, that's a lot. That's t- terrifying. It is. It's terrible. So Shirley gave birth to Zachary on the 18th of July, 2002. And Shirley persistently refused to allow Dath- David and Kathleen, um, who were Andrew's parents to see their grandson. Literally would never let them see him, fearing that they would kidnap him. Um, she went so far as to discharge her family law, law, lawyer because of his positive attitudes towards the bad Bagbies. She just like hated them because she hated their son. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Just by,
1: like, association. She's
0: just, and she doesn't even, like, kids, she doesn't care about kids. It's it evident. Just,
1: it just scares me that, like, all these things are happening. And, like, I'm 100%, I'm so sorry if I missed something, but I don't think we went into detail about, I know you just said her kids are with, like, mm. the grandparents. But, like, what are the grandparents doing? Like, why are they, like, mm. why are you not looking after your own kids? Like, what's to go?
0: Weird. Yeah. It's I all get, very complicated. It is very. Um, so on several occasions it was noted that baby Zachary was unusually detached from his mum and preferred the company of other adults, especially the bag So like Zachary had this weird connection with the grandparents mm. thrown away. They he always felt really comfortable with them. Yeah. And like um This made Shirley like real angry. Yeah. Like she hated the fact that her son was like like (laughs) way better like better energy and um when when the the grandparents had um a birthday party for zachary in in the mcdonald's when zachary turned one um shirley turned to kathleen who was the grandmother yep and whispered he obviously loves you more than me so why don't you just take him oh okay
1: yeah thanks we'll be well
0: Um, so Turner Shelley was returned to jail in November, 2002, pending a decision by the federal justice minister regarding whether she would be extradited to the U S. However, in January, 2003, Gail Welsh, again, released her arguing that the murder quote, was not directed at the public at large unquote, and that Turner was presumed to be innocent. What? Yeah. You're telling me what? It's fucked. All right, now this is when, okay, so on the 4th of July, 2003, um, Shirley Shirley met a young man at a bar in St. John's. The pair dated and were intimate on two occasions. The man broke off the relationship after learning from friends about Shirley's connection to the Bagby's murder. Mm. Shirley subsequently made a total of 200 threatening phone calls to the man (sighs) over the following month. Shirley claimed to have gotten pregnant by the man, but no evidence was ever found, showing this to be true. The man contacted the police on three occasions to complain about Shirley's harassment, which violated the terms of her bail and would have been the grounds to lose custody of Zachary. Because the man did not identify himself and declined to file any criminal complaint against Shirley, no investigation was launched by the police. When a police constable contacted Shirley's lawyer about the harassment, Um, Shirley denied any allegations on the 18th of August, 2003, a day Zachary was scheduled to be in his mother's custody. Shirley purchased 30 tablets of Ativan or Ativan Mm. from a St. John's pharmacy. She then drove with Zachary to nearby Conception Bay South. Where her former boyfriend lived. There, Turner parked, or Shelley parked her car near his house and left photographs of herself and Zachary, as well as a used tampon on the front seat. What? Police concluded that she was attempting to frame the boyfriend for the impeding act that's about to happen. Yeah. After spiking Zachary's baby formula with Ativan oh. and ingesting it herself, Turner strapped. Zachary to her chest and jumped off a fishing wharf into the Atlantic Ocean. Both drowned. It was determined that Zachary Turner, one year old, was rendered unconscious by the drug and did not suffer.
1: Thank God. That's like terrible, disgusting, but
0: still learnings, I guess. The, The crazy thing is is that there are so many moments in this story that this horrible person could have been stopped and the the justice system failed have them. failed that baby and failed um, Kathleen and David for the, the grandparents for not only losing their son, but also losing their grandson who was like apparently a spitting image of, of their son as well. So it's just Andrew. like Andrew, yeah, yeah, which is just completely heartbreaking. Oh. Um, so they pretty much, they charged um, the guy that, um, the the psychiatrist that posted her seventy five thousand dollars bail um, in the first place mm. because he was a psychiatrist and then he posted the bail and also wrote like she's fine she's she's fine right because she was not he was an ex um, colleague of um, of um, of Shirley still so so kind of friends a I think they were friends she was doing it, he was doing it as a favor to her. Um That's but a really it's a really, really big, big favor, I know. Um, but here here's some like nice stuff to like end on. So mm. on the twenty third of October two thousand nine, um a liberal MP from Newfoundland named Scott Andrews and um and another place called Labrador, cute, cute town name. Yes. Yeah, so introduced, good. um, Bill C464, like a new bill. Um, it's also known as Zachary's Bill, mm. which would change the criminal code of Canada to allow courts to justify their refusing bail to those accused of serious crimes in the name of protecting their children. The bill received unanimous, um, support in the Canadian House of Commons and received support from liberal Senator Tommy Banks. It was finally signed into the law by governor general David Johnson on the 16th of December, 2010. Um, Andrew's latest study of the law gives the Bagbees some sense of some, someone has ha- heard their cries. So this will never happen again to change the law, to make something so tragic um, into something that will never happen again. Thank God. It's, um, and even so David Bagby also wrote a book called Dance with the Devil and Memoir of Murder. Mm. Um, and there's also the documentary called Dear Zachary, and yep. it is the most heartbreaking heartbreaking, depressing, all also probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen.
1: It was one of the um, It's one of the first documentaries you ever ever showed me when we started seeing each other. Mm. And it's still is like stuck in my head. Mm. Like I remember everything and like you don't... The way it's filmed and, like, produced is so unique and beautiful and I really think it gives justice to the whole story. Absolutely. And like, centers well, around... Well, because it's not even...
0: You know, when you watch a documentary, usually it's, like, some... It's, like, a stranger yeah. doing a documentary about um, personal things, but the documentary filmmaker is close friends with Andrew. Yeah. Like, and he was, he was making a documentary about Andrew's life... To show Zachary when he was older, that was the point of the documentary, yeah, I know. and then it turned into this, this tragedy. Yeah, and this whole thing unraveled during the documentary's production, which mm. is insane and so and it crazy. adds so much more yeah depth val-
1: depth and validity to the story. Mm. Like, it's just it's a fuck story, um, and it's so so sad. Like, it really is just that. That's sad. Um, like, there's not really much to say about it, to be honest. Like, no. it's terrible what happened.
0: It um, is, and like, honestly, highly recommend
1: to anyone listening to yeah. watch dear Zachary. Dear
0: Zachary, you can watch it. I'm on YouTube now. It
1: is on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And it's well, only it's not it's not terribly long. So like an hour and a half. I think. No.
0: Um, so yeah, he was one one year old little baby. It's really he's really cute. It's really sad. Get some tissues if you watch it. It's really Absolutely. I bowl like a baby. Um, you know that's the story of Zachary Turner. But honestly, I'd prefer to call him Zachary Bagby because you know those the grandparents gave Zachary in his one year on his planet gave them the best life more life. love than Shirley ever did. Or and that's, could or, or could, could physically managed to do. You know she was a very 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 sick and twisted individual who needed help and didn't get help because she was so caught up in so much selfish bullshit she could not see past you know feeling loved and like feeling validated and like she had no capacity to love anyone but anyone herself. but herself and
1: care about herself and that's the thing like i i feel sorry for her like very sorry for her that but- Cause obviously it's a predisposition at the start. You know, I don't think she was intentionally being terrible, but I think it's just a man- matter of events that fell into what her life turned out to be. Mm. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, that therapist letting it happen. Cause I'm happy he got charged with something. Like, yeah,
0: but I'm sorry. No, I don't feel sorry for it at all.
1: I don't feel sorry for the things that she did. But I feel sorry for her that, like, like I don't feel sorry for her. But I, I think if the people around her were able to see the actual reality of the situations, I think if it was taken seriously earlier, mm. things could have been curbed. But also, this has happened now, so like, there's no point in like no. doing what ifs. She did terrible things, and she like pure evil, pure evil, and it there's there's no way to like excuse that. No, no. um And I guess some people just aren't able to be helped. No, um, they just have to be put away, put away forever. And yeah, just...
0: honestly, like there's parts in the documentary where the grandfather was like, "I planned to murder her." He's like, "I yeah. planned the and is to his drive face. to her house and shoot her in her sleep." Yeah. Because he thought that was the only way that she would ever get out of their lives and would stop all this, like, all of this court proceedings and all this bullshit to keep Zachary away from the grandparents. And, like, he was like, if I kill her, at least I will go to prison. She'll be dead. And then my wife, who is the grandmother, can look after Zachary. Mm. Like, that's how... I remember that dedicated, scene so clearly. He, he was not lying. He no. was he, he's telling the truth. Mm. And a human being, to admit that on camera, is somebody that was like purely desperate and like feel something that protect, I could never feel. Yeah. Protect, yeah. So
1: you know, love in his life.
0: I would recommend the film to anybody. It is probably going to be one of the best documentaries you would ever come across. It is mm. fantastic. The story isn't really, really, really known about. And it's just something that, um, that is, yeah.
1: There's one shocking thing to me. Mm. Like when you showed it to me, I've never heard about it, but then I talked to my mom about it and I was like, James showed me this and she's like, Oh, I've watched that. Mm. um mum being a crime
0: Wiz. lover. Yeah.
1: But she she said as well. She's like, It's so strange. I've never heard anyone talk about it. Because I think she just came across it randomly on TV one day and she was like, Yeah, okay, I watched it and then she made my sister watch it and this whole thing. It needs to be out there more. Yeah. And if you've watched it, share it with your friends. They literally changed
0: laws in Canada, that's yeah. guess. So like, Bill. Share it out, everybody.
1: Watch it. Yeah. It's really good. It's really good. It's emotional, heartbreaking. But yeah worth it and I think it shines a light on the justice system mm. in many ways. And I think that needs to be taken more seriously. And I think especially in the current political climate, these things need to be brought out. Yeah. That, you know, it's worldwide and it's in all areas. So Definitely. like you know, fuck the patriarchy.
0: Honestly. Well, that was heavy, but that was it was nice to kind of just have a a episode where we talk about a film that inspired the, an episode because I haven't done it yet. And um, I've wanted to talk about this story for a while. And it's um, one that's like stayed with me for a long time. Yep. If you, again, if you do watch the documentary, do send me a DM. Let me know what you thought of it. Give me your thoughts. Uh, like I said, get some tissues. And I do hope you enjoy it. And I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Scared Shitless. I'll be back next week with my next guest. It's going to be good. I'm very excited. In the meantime, thank you, JJ, for joining me. I thank love you, for you. having me. I love everybody. And you know what? Bye. That's Bye. Why. Bye. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Arrivederci. We're not, we aren't. What does that mean? Good night. Okay. hui night. Okay. We're not, we're not.
1: Kuya <خوية> آنت
0: kuya ant bye bye